0: Welcome to Talking on Tap, AB InBev's podcast series. I'm your host, Elaine McCrimmon, Global Director of Reputation and External Engagement. In this episode, we're joined by Spencer Gordon, Vice President of Digital and Draftline at Anheuser-Busch. Spencer is responsible for digital strategy, media content and innovation, and he's our resident expert on all things related to the metaverse, which is exactly what we're talking about today. What is an NFT? What is blockchain and the metaverse and why is this important for our business? Launching an NFT isn't something to be done lightly. It'll be around forever. So how did we go about our first launches? Let's find out. Joining me today on Talking on Tap is Spencer Gordon, Vice President of Digital and Draftline at Anheuser-Busch.
1: Elaine, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today with you.
0: I am so excited to be talking to you. There has been so much already at the beginning of the year about NFTs. But before we jump straight in, what is an NFT? And I don't mean a non-fungible token as the acronym. What exactly is an NFT?
1: It's a great question. An NFT is basically a combination of what we call a digital collectible, so digital art, It can also be membership or a ticket. It's something that is unique and it's unique because it has a unique digital code that verifies it as a one-of-one asset. So let me give you an example. If you were to go to a famous museum and buy a Picasso painting, right? The painting is a piece of art, but the reason that it's worth so much money and displayed in that museum is because we know that Picasso made it. You have the curator of the art museum saying Picasso has verified it. You see the signature. In this case, with an NFT, it's the same concept, but instead of it being the art curator that's verifying it, you have a unique piece of digital code that shows that it's the first ever, it's authenticated, and it's one of one. So that is the non-fungible in a non-fungible token. It can't be split. It's always accompanied by that authentication.
0: That's us clear on NFTs. So on to the next one then. What is your definition of the metaverse? You know, what does the metaverse mean for our brands and our company more widely?
1: So a lot of people think of metaverse being as virtual reality or augmented reality, something that you go and you're immersed in kind of like a digital world. And I think that's a key part of what is the metaverse. I think of metaverse as more being anything that's in digital space and not just you know, something that's in virtual reality or augmented reality. So for example, if you buy an NFT, An NFT can be a digital piece of art. An NFT can also be a digital jacket that you could wear in a game, right? It can be a skin of a horse that you put in a game. So from that perspective, I think of them almost being intertwined a little bit. And I think of the metaverse as being a place where our brands can extend from the offline world or the real world and into the digital world. So imagine if you're a person, you can go buy Budweiser at a store, at a stadium, If you were to buy Budweiser digitally from our website as an NFT, you can actually wear it or hold it or have it in what we would call the metaverse, right? Where it's that digital immersive experience. So I think of it as being really important for our brands. I think when we think of technology and communications, you're seeing kind of this evolution and more and more people using more and more devices and the internet of things and things really coming together. I see our brands really having to be there because at the end of the day, We have to sell to consumers. We want to make sure our brands are prevalent wherever consumers are spending the most time. As this continues to adopt and evolve, I see this being the next wave of the internet, the next wave of social media. I don't know if it'll be as big as social media or as the internet itself, but I think the importance will be very big because it's very immersive. And you go from having, uh, you know, before social media, brands would talk to consumers, right? You see an advertisement, you see a sign, a billboard. Then with social media, you had a two-way dialogue where you're able to respond back to consumers or, have posts that engage with them, I think of Metaverse as being a place where we can really immerse them in the brand itself. They can wear and feel like part of the brand. And I think to me, that's going to be important for us as we continue to connect with people.
0: Okay. So I really want to know, then what are the most recent NFT launches that we've had?
1: So the journey for us as a company with NFTs kind of started months and months ago. We actually did a few partnerships to help us get into the space and really understand it before we went and launched our own programs. I think the best one is an example that came out of our team from Europe. They did a partnership with a digital racing company that's in the metaverse called Zedrun. They did it with Stellar Artois and we basically sold digital horses that you could go and race. So basically, if you bought one of the digital horses, you could race it in the game and it would be the Stellar Artois horse. And that was a really cool pilot they did. It worked very well. Shortly thereafter in the U.S., we did another one where we were partnering with the chef to sell basically an NFT that was his recipe and that you could have. And then you got dinner with that chef. So it was like a really cool way that you could kind of have something that gave back to utility that basically gave consumers a chance to like own and experience the brand. But then as we kind of learned, we started to really venture into how do we set up our own infrastructure where we can actually go and sell NFTs to consumers and really own that experience from end to end rather than working with the partner. So our first major drop that we did, we called the Budweiser Heritage Collection. So basically, we started by using Budweiser.com. You could go in as a consumer and you would buy one of 1936 NFTs that we created. We created 1936 NFTs because in 1936, it was the first year that Budweiser ever came out with an aluminum can. So we basically featured the can prominently right in the center of the NFT. And behind it, we had 1936 versions of artwork every piece of content that you were able to buy was completely unique. Not only was it verified as an NFT because of the digital code, the background was unique. The artwork was unique. And in 36 of those, we featured archival content from the brand, right? It could be a picture of an old Clydesdale. It could be a picture of a race car that we sponsored. It could be a picture of an old advertisement that we had. So you felt like you were buying part of Budweiser's heritage. So we did 1936. We sold out in 26 minutes, right? We made 1.1 million dollars by selling NFTs, which was a great start for us. I think we were very much a first mover in the space as a brand doing kind of like an end-to-end own drop. And from there, we were able to kind of progress into our next big drop from Budweiser, which we call our Budweiser royalty. So Budweiser globally is supporting musicians and emerging artists and creators. And for us, this was an opportunity that we could expand the number of NFTs that we were doing after we kind of tested and dabbled and built our community and our infrastructure we launched 11,000 NFTs, we were supporting 22 artists and each artist had 500 unique NFTs associated with them. So if you multiply 22 times 500, it gets to 11,000 NFTs. We basically leveraged the community that we built with the Bud Heritage Drops and the earlier partnerships that we had. And we basically worked to sell out of the program, which we sold in a day. We sold $4.6 million worth of NFTs and we were able to support artists that were emerging in their careers. So if you were buying an NFT, not only could you have a chance to meet the artists and spend time with them and potentially get merchandise or have experiences with those people, you also got something where imagine if you were able to buy the first ever NFT or the first ever piece of collectible material or the first rookie card of one of the famous you know, musicians in the world. If one of these artists becomes one of those really iconic people, then the collectible becomes more and more valuable for that consumer over time. So if you got lucky and you bought one that turns into the next Jay-Z or the next Biggie Smalls, then that could be something of value for consumers who are really immersed in this space as well. So I think really, really cool success that helped build from our first one. Something that I think we were able to solidify Budweiser's passion points and sponsorships over time, help us carve our fair share, if you will, in the metaverse. At the same time, we're kind of building the brand, building the community. But I think that's going to help set us up for our future drops, one of which we have coming up next week. I'm very excited. We have an amazing program coming up for Bud Light. Bud Light is actually going to be the first brand to ever feature an NFT in its Super Bowl commercial, which is going to be amazing for us. We have a new brand that just launched in the U.S. It's called Bud Light Next. Bud Light Next is the first ever zero-carb beer from Bud Light. So basically, we're launching a product that in itself is very, very innovative. If you think about the evolution of the beer category, we had traditional loggers that went into light lagers. We think of this being the third iteration and kind of the future of beer, which is a no-carb beer. When you think about the internet and you think about NFTs, they're calling it Web3, Web 3.0, right? Basically, what you're seeing is like there was the original internet then the current internet, which we know of today, which is full of e-commerce and social media. And now Web3 is kind of blockchain and metaverse and cryptocurrency. So we basically coordinated our launch program to say, okay, you can buy NFT collectibles from Bud Light Next right when it comes out in the Bud Light Next collection. And we're going to feature not only one of our own NFTs, but one of the most iconic partnerships in NFTs called Nouns. It's called the Nouns DAO in the Super Bowl commercial, which is going to be a first in itself. So to me, I think that's going to be an amazing program. We launch it in about a week. And I think it's going to be something that we sell out of and we have a lot of success right away. And then after Super Bowl, we have a bunch planned for some of our other bigger brands here in the U.S. and globally. We have a really cool roadmap that's going to include Michelob Ultra, Stella Artois, Goose Island, natural light. So we have a lot in the works, which I'm very, very excited for.
0: Wow. So as you think about the metaverse and how it's evolving in the coming year, what are the pieces of tech or communities that's really keeping your eye open? And what are you really excited about in this space?
1: So Aline, I think also before we jump into that, the one thing I would say is value to me is defined in a lot of different ways, different people. I think what people think of when they think of NFTs or cryptocurrency now is increasing in monetary value, which could happen. I also think there's value in having a collectible that you really care about or having something that you can own and have. So for example, like I really love my specific pair of shoes because they're comfortable, because I can work out in them. It doesn't mean that you would attribute the same value to it. So when I think we talk about growing the value in the community, it's important to note that our brands are powerful, that people care about them, that we're able to be and connect with their lives in a way that otherwise isn't there. And that to me is also value, right? So I think it can grow and yeah. kind of pull fronts. I think then in terms of what this means for us, how we can bring it to life in the future, I think there's a lot of really cool things that excite me in this space. Because I think for the first time, what you're able to do is you're able to track an asset from its birth, from the existence of it, all the way through and down the line. So for example, when we put an NFT out into the world, we have the experience where we can say, okay, I sold you this NFT, and then you sold it to your friend and your friend sold it to someone else. And because it's on the blockchain, everything is public. And you can track the transaction that happens over and over and over on the blockchain. So for the first time, we actually are able to kind of get a sense in the community of like what's happening after the initial sale. And I think that can really help us reinvent the way that we do things. It can help us reinvent the way that we do sponsorship. It can help us reinvent the way that we have experiences for people. Because I think when you think yeah. about beer, every single day, we have to fight in the minds of consumers to go and buy a beer, right? Are you buying a Bud Light? Or are you buying a Budweiser? Or are you buying a Stella Artois? And every time someone purchases beer, they have to think about it before they go and do it. So we have to keep advertising and keep marketing over and over and over. I think with an NFT, the beautiful part about it is once I convince someone to buy into my NFT project, I have the ability for them to then go evangelize or talk about the project in the future or sell it to someone else. And because of that technology, we're able to track it over and over and over where one day we could choose to divert all that revenue and put it towards a donation that we really care about. One day we can go and say, you know what, I'm going to take the portion of those sales over time. And I can actually put that to have an event for those people or sponsor someone new that's emerging in a space. And to me, that's really, really exciting because I think for the first time ever, we're thinking that we can expand the footprint of what we do as a global business.
0: That's phenomenal. And you mentioned blockchain. So since we're doing this as almost like a basic 1.0 NFTs metaverse, explain a little bit more then about blockchain. I'm not going to leave it just like that. We have to really help all the listeners understand exactly what we mean.
1: Absolutely. So basically, when someone refers to blockchain, what they're referring to is basically a public ledger that you're able to see that kind of has a series of transactions that link to each other over and over and over. So each block is a transaction and every form of transaction from one to the next kind of form a chain over time. So that's what blockchain is when you think about that let me give you an example. Let's say, Elaine, that I were to go and sell you something on the blockchain. We'll use an NFT as an example because we're talking a little bit about NFTs. But if I sell you an NFT, once that transaction is recorded, basically the transaction is being uploaded into a decentralized public ledger. So the way that I like to describe it to people is like if you were to go to a store today and you were to go and transact to buy one of our beers, you would swipe a credit card, The bank itself would have a record of that transaction. The credit card company would have a record of that transaction. The retailer would have a credit of that transaction and you would. But me as a consumer that wasn't part of your transaction or anyone else in the public sphere could not view that financial information, how much you paid, when you swiped your credit card, etc. With blockchain, instead of having that one institution, the bank, see and own the transaction data, Everything is published to every single node, every single computer that's on that network within the blockchain. So imagine instead of having that one centralized ledger, I have a copy, you have a copy, all of our friends have a copy, and anyone can view it at any time. Now, what that's able to do is let's say I go back to our example and I sell you that NFT, that one transaction, it goes from being a one to one transaction and gets uploaded to the blockchain. You basically pay a gas fee, pay a certain transaction fee to take the transaction from a one-to-one transaction and upload it to every single computer. And then every single computer, every single node within that chain can verify that the transaction happened. So now what you've been able to do is everyone can view the transaction, it's public, therefore it gives it a value because you're able to know that, hey, that happened, right? There's no fraud associated with it. So if someone else did the same transaction, all the computers be like, wait, that looks like an irregularity that shouldn't exist. We're kicking that out. And therefore, it's very difficult to hack. It's very, very secure. Every transaction that happened, one after the next gets uploaded to the blockchain and it extends the chain further and further. So it's kind of a complicated topic. I think the best way to kind of think through it is you're going from having just a relationship with that one institution to instead having a relationship with every other person or every other node that's in that same community or in that same chain.
0: Yeah, I can see how that's really been super helpful for our supply chain, particularly thinking about the payment of smallholder farmers and the work with Banku as well. So if you could help us understand a little bit more about what we're doing at the global level and the local level in regards to NFTs. And is there a yeah, difference?
1: Absolutely. It's a, it's a great question because the metaverse or NFTs or cryptocurrency isn't inherently a global product. It's a global marketplace. There isn't one market or another market. You're not buying in dollars and in yuan and in real and in euros or pounds. You're buying in ether, you're buying in Bitcoin. So right away, there are no national currencies that you're putting into the mix, which means a consumer can easily buy something from the UK and into the US or into Canada for us, that obviously has a bunch of difficult situations that puts a company in because we have different brands that we sell in different places. Sometimes we have one brand, like let's say we have Budweiser in the US and Budweiser in the UK, even though they're similar, it's the same name, it's similar branding, there might be some slight differences between how we actually market the product in one country versus another. So I think before we go too big on any one brand, we really have to think through like, is this the right decision? Should we be doing it in every single country? Should we be doing it centrally? Should we be doing it locally? Because there's a lot of overlap. And it's a pretty small community today. So while it's going to grow into the future, we don't want to confuse the people who are there with all different brand identities. So today what we're doing is I'm kind of working with my team and we're working across different countries and different zones and different brands to centralize a content calendar, to centralize our strategy, to make sure it's not Budweiser UK and Budweiser US, it's Budweiser. And we have one plan that can work across all markets so that a consumer in the UK is seeing the same thing as a consumer in the US. And in that way, we're being very thoughtful about how we plan our big U.S. and global brands to make sure that we're not overwhelming the small community that exists, to make sure that we're thinking through things for the medium and the long term, not just the short term. And that we're making sure that as the metaverse grows, we're mimicking the sponsorships and the strategies and the experiential and the passion points that we have in this space as well. And then I think what's going to happen over time is we're going to have to evolve because the space is going to grow. We have more than just global brands that are impacting people's lives. We have Jubilee in Europe and we have Brahma in Brazil and those brands aren't everywhere. So I think we'll probably give a lot more autonomy to the local teams in those markets to manage the local brands, but then the ones that interact across the globe and in different countries will have to make sure we always have that scrutinous eye and a little bit tighter of that central control.
0: That makes perfect sense. Now thinking about the audience, there's must be so many people just listening going, we've got to launch an NFT. So what are the key steps that people should consider if they're thinking about launching an NFT? What advice would you give them?
1: The first advice I would say is don't rush and don't just go launch something because you're seeing headlines in PR that's saying NFTs and cryptocurrency are growing. I think the first thing we have to do is understand the space. It's slightly different than what you'd experience when you're buying something online or when you're marketing a normal product. It's a different community. It's a little bit more advanced. And I want to make sure as people think about it, they're thinking about it from the consumer's eyes and not from our brand or our corporation's eyes. That's step one. Step number two is with cryptocurrency and with metaverse, there are a lot of risks that are associated with the space. There are legal risks. There's fraud. There's IP concerns that are there. There's tax implications. We have to think about our carbon footprint and what we're putting out in terms of the environment. When we launched our central products and our central NFTs, we work with the cross-functional group from all different parts of the organization, from corporate affairs, to compliance, to tax, to PR, to solutions and IT, making sure that we're really thoughtful about how we can do this, what steps we place, how do we mitigate and minimize as many of those risks as possible. And we put together a really, really scrutinous task force to help us kind of chip away at each thing and make sure that we're kind of comfortable with those risks. So I think if you're thinking about launching an NFT, Definitely understand the space. Make sure you understand the risks. I would say work with my team and with the task force we put in place to help chip away at those so that we can ensure that we're protecting ourselves from every situation moving forward. And then after we get the basics down and as we develop further and further, I think we'll be able to kind of like rinse and repeat and build that acumen over time. So I would say part three of that would be once we do steps one and two, then I think we're free to do as many programs that we want to do in a smart and strategic way.
0: You mentioned the carbon footprint, so maybe turning to sustainability. Sustainability has been an issue for some cryptocurrencies. Is it the same for NFTs?
1: There are a lot of concerns when it comes to carbon emissions and the green impact that NFTs can have. I think those exist, right? I think there's a lot that's happening within the space that are helping to minimize that. As people are getting in, you're seeing technological advances, you're seeing upgrades to specific blockchains that are mitigating and minimizing the environmental impact. But from our company perspective, we're very committed to making sure our efforts are sustainable. For each one of our NFT programs, we partnered with the metering company that basically shows how much energy are we computing when we do an NFT project. And basically, what that's allowing us to do is it's seeing what is the environmental impact that we're putting in by selling NFTs. And we're actually paying to then offset all of our carbon emissions. The space itself is going to get more and more and more efficient as more and more people come in and there's more technological advancements, just like what you've seen with manufacturing and a lot of the other you know, transportation, a bunch of other industries that exist. But I think it's not something we can wait for. We have to make sure our programs are effective as well. And I, I think we definitely have our ducks in a row to support that.
0: So my final question for you, Spencer, is if you could share a little bit more about some of the partners that you've worked with in this space.
1: So I think the first and most important partner that we've been working with in space is called Boehner NFC. So, Gary Vaynerchuk, a longtime partner and friend of our brands, uh, we've partnered with him across Vayner Media for the last 10 years or so. He launched an NFT agency called Vayner NFT, and they've been really, really helpful in terms of getting us familiar with the space, helping us to understand what's going on, teach us and make introductions with various partners in the space. They've been instrumental in our learning and uh, very thankful that we've had them from day one because, again, just like my first few steps, it helped us go through those first few steps as a central team. So definitely, I want to thank them. They've been very, very helpful. Since then, though, we basically started onboarding new partners to help us build our infrastructure. So we have Shopify as a partner. They're helping us run our website. So you can go and you can use a credit card or Bitcoin or Ether to buy one of our products. We partner with a company called BlockX, which is helping us mint NFT. So not only take the digital piece of art, but then go through that process I described before where you're fixing that art and that transaction to the blockchain itself with smart contracts and metadata. And then we have Coinbase, which has been a very, very helpful partner for us. Coinbase is the institutional leader in basically crypto brokerage, helping you convert U.S. dollars into cryptocurrencies. They've been helping us transact. So we're able to collect cryptocurrency and then immediately transfer it into U.S. dollars so that we're not dealing with the volatility that comes with cryptocurrency that you might see in the market every day. Those three partners, I think, have been instrumental in our success and something that I think we're very grateful to in terms of watching our current and future programs.
0: Spencer, I can tell we've only just scratched the surface on this topic. We really have. But I'd love to have you back on the show with Gary Vaynerchuk, maybe Richard Oppie. Let's see if we can make that happen.
1: I would love that. I think that we definitely have a fun conversation anytime Oppie and Gary and I get in a room. I think you're going to okay. hear some dynamic conversation.
0: Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, Spencer.
1: Thank you, Elaine. Really appreciate you taking the time and I'm excited for things to come. Cheers. Right.
0: Well, there you have it. If you didn't know much about NFTs and the metaverse and how this is the future, you do now. All that remains is for me to say a very big thank you to Spencer Gordon, Vice President of Digital and DraftLine at Anheuser-Busch. And as always, a big thanks to our listeners. If you'd like to learn more, please visit ab-inbev.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. And if you think others will enjoy it too, please share. We are AB and Bev.
2: This is Elise Puma from the AB and Bev legal team. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by AB and Bev solely for informational purposes and is general in nature. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers who are not officers, employees, or agents of AB and Bev are not necessarily those of AB Bev and may not be current. AB Bev does not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the content contained in this podcast, nor does AB InBev offer any sort of legal, financial, or other advice in the podcast content. Any liability, therefore, is expressly disclaimed. Certain of the statements may have been forward-looking in nature and based on current expectations and views of future events and developments of the speakers and are naturally subject to uncertainty and changes in circumstances. AB does not undertake any obligation to provide any form of update, amendment, change, or correction to any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions set forth in this podcast.